This week on the final dump, the vibes are anything but immaculate. The Packers lose to the New York Giants in London. We'll break down what the hell is going on with the defense, what the hell is going on with the offense, and so much more. Let's get ready for the NFL Week 6 edition of the final dump. News dump. News dump, yay! News dump. I mean, that's kind of a loaded question. It's a land fly. It's the final dump, presented by Game On Wisconsin. And welcome to the post-London edition of the final dump. I am Brendan Dworzynski. He is Matt Fralick. We are recapping... A 27-22 loss for the Packers to the New York football Giants. So much to get to on the show today. We'll get our overall reactions to what happened in this contest. The fact that the Packers just cannot play a full 60 minutes of a game this season. We'll talk about whatever the hell Joe Barry has been trying to do so far this year. And we'll look ahead to the New York football Jets back home at Lambeau Field coming up next week. We'll get a preview for the spread and the over-under for the game is significant to some. It's all coming up here on the final dump. And Matt, the reason we came up with this name last year, we were on Friday mornings. We released the podcast. So it was the final news dump, the final dump of information and takes before we got into game weekend before we got into game day that was perfectly fitting now on mondays we go live podcast comes out on tuesday morning it's the final dump of information following a game how perfect but there's never been a more perfect week to be the final dump than after that steaming pile of a game on sunday morning that i got up way before i normally would have to watch us just completely pardon the cursing on the live show to just completely shit the bed against a team that while four and one the Packers are absolutely better than and it's just an extremely fitting name for the show and it's really the final dump of all final dumps this week after that loss to the Giants I think there was one other time where we actually talked about the new the new date or excuse me the new day of the week that we record final dump and then also just the the tie-in that we decided you know in inside the marketing research development team we're like you know what we can easily pivot this into a scenario that makes more yep. sense other than iterations off of the end of the week or the you know the first letter of our, each of our last names so i think it's an appropriate name for this this entity that is our stream on mondays i feel like it, it allows me just to absolutely just regurgitate everything that happened good or bad uh, potentially leave it across the pond, uh, which I hope a lot of people did. You know, hope your baggage came back, everything else. You just left everything in Tottenham Stadium. Tough, man. Tough, tough game. Um, there's so many things to unpack from it. I feel like, for one, throughout today, I was like, you know, this is supposed to be the, the get-right segment of the, the schedule. Very, very easy part of the schedule, in my opinion, going from banged up, Patriots team, underperforming Patriots team. Mac Jones, kind of a civil line. He doesn't play. Then you get Giants, Jets, Washington. Seems like four get-right games. I thought they could have done that with uh, Bakhtiari, Stokes coming back, et cetera, et cetera. And can't take any team for granted, I guess. And we'll have to get into it because there's another formidable team coming to Lambeau uh, this weekend from New Jersey. So let's get right into it with this game from Sunday. 8.30 Lambeau time kickoff. First half awesome. Looked great. 20 to 10 at the break. That's a good place to be. You're leading by 14 at one point. 
Rodgers is throwing the ball pretty well. You're getting a bunch of different dudes involved. The running game is involved, which is obviously the lack of running game has been the bane of the Packers ecosystem's existence so far this year. And then it all just goes to hell after halftime. The play calling was bad. Let's just be blunt about it. It just wasn't good. I don't know if that was entirely Matt LaFleur's calls. I don't know if it was mostly Aaron Rodgers making checks at the line or making the wrong read or just an intentionally bad read on an RPO. I don't know exactly what the situation was, why there were so many bad decisions, missed throws or missed opportunities by Aaron Rodgers. The run game was neutralized of the Packers' own decision-making. Defensively, it's like they had never seen a crossing route before, and it was just (laughs) wide open all day for the Giants. I mean, what happened? How do you go from, hey, this is pretty good. Maybe not a perfect first half. Maybe not a perfect stretch of football, but good enough that you're feeling pretty confident. All of a sudden, too, it looks like this is a a JV team that just came together at the first time. I just don't know why it all fell apart like that. And it's not even like, oh, well, it's obviously all Matt LaFleur. It's obviously all Aaron Rodgers. It's obviously all Joe Barry in the defense. I don't think there's any one entity that is exclusively at fault here. It was just a complete cataclysmic event for every single unit, except ironically enough, special teams, even though Amari Rodgers is, you know, terrible. But other than that, they were okay. Everything else though, just fell apart at the exact wrong time. I don't even really know how to describe it other than to say I'm pissed off that a game the Packers certainly should have won one way or another ends up a loss and what probably was the worst long-distance flight of most of those players' careers. Yeah, I, I mean, it looked like they did it pretty well first class. There was a, the image of A.J. Dillon. I want to say Rasul Douglas maybe tweeted it out. Just the little pods flying across the – like, good first class food. I was like, this is hilarious. A.J. Dillon just fitting in this tiny little chair. That is first class mind you, but still he looked absolutely gigantic in comparison to that um, international chair. I, I just think a lot of things were exposed I've, from the weaknesses of this team. We still haven't seen them play a full 60 minutes of football, and we'll beat that to nauseum throughout this episode and throughout the rest of the week. Um, I do think what, as a coaching unit, what you focus on is determined of usually the results. Like you focus on certain segments of the game, you're more than likely going to get success in those areas. Uh, I thought they stopped the run very well. Uh, besides the Saquon Barkley wildcat run, Daniel Jones didn't expect him to move like he did. Uh, didn't expect him to take some shots that he did willingly uh, with that banged up ankle. <laughs> Looks like that was really not much of a factor, but I think they focused on like, hey, we got to stop the freaking run. The Patriots pounded the rock with Stevenson and Harris last week. Let's figure out how to stop the best running back in football statistically right now. And they essentially did that. However, it doesn't mean you can stop doing everything else from uh, open field tackling to match coverage or man coverage or zone coverage, depending on what you're running. And like, it was just, it was nasty because they had, what was it their fourth, basically receiver in their third or fourth receiver guy. They sent from a practice squad and they were just able to move the ball down the field just with very juvenile, you already took your uh, junior varsity type routes. So that's, that's the defensive side of the ball offensively. I think there's, I just haven't seen the progress there yet. There's still some like really, really just modern things that you need to be able to do just foundational pieces of how to run an offense. And they still can't figure it out. Listen to uh, LaFleur's press conference today. It's kind of enlightening a little bit. He was pr- pretty much politically correct by the time they got to the segment of the offensive stuff. So he wasn't divulging too much, but yeah, it's, 
week five and not playing a full 60 minutes of football and even, you know, maybe one bad quarter, but a full half of football that's absolutely just atrocious and not doing the things where you're not putting teams away is just one of those caveats that we just cannot seem to shake no matter who the coach is. And it's been a long time with this situation. I feel like we have these pitfalls. I feel like for me in the, in the short term, in the here and now, I'm pretty pissed about this loss. Like there's no reason the Packers should have lost this game if they were playing even a, a B minus C plus game, but the second half, I mean, that's, that's D minus F territory for a lot of reasons. And I think long-term I'm not as reactionary as I think some of the, the online Packers community has been. We've had a resurgence, at least on Monday, we did of the, I should have traded Rogers a year ago kind of stuff, which I (laughs) personally think is kind of ridiculous, but Hey, everyone is entitled to their opinions. We've seen a lot of just, overreaction not even overreaction but just very intense emotional reaction to this game you sort of laid it out there that we're still only in week five and I think again in terms of the long-term prognosis for this team yes you need to win games because you have to get into the playoffs that's obviously an important but if you're not playing your best football now as long as you're playing it in December into January maybe you're lucky enough to get into February that's when it matters the most to be playing truly your best football. And I think that given how different this offense is relative to the recent past, it's understandable that it's going to take some time. Now, I think you have seen some positive developments. Romeo Dobbs, obviously a dude. He is not just flavor of the week. It looks like he is going to be a focal point of this offense going forward. Awesome. Great. I think Alan Lazard has played really well. Okay. Good development there. Randall Cobb found the fountain of youth, which is nice because don't know a how long he's going to have period the rest of his career and b you don't know how long it'll be until he potentially faces an injury because seems like for a large portion of his career now that's been something he's had to deal with offensive line i don't think was great it was okay it was fine it was a little bit ironic david bakhtiari finally got in the game on the final or for the final hail mary attempt and immediately committed a penalty that just sort of summed up the turd sandwich that that second half was so long term i think at least offensively I'm not in a terrible spot. I'm not horribly down bad with it because I do think there's still a lot that can be developed. And I do trust, I think this coaching staff offensively and quarterback and offensive pieces have earned the benefit of the doubt in recent memory that, Hey, they are going to get this largely figured out at some point. Now it might take till week eight. It might take till week nine. If we get to week nine, that game passes and we're like, wow, uh, nothing has gotten better. And this looks like the same team we saw in weeks three, four, five okay, I will feel pretty bad and I'll feel like, okay, maybe this just isn't going to happen because it's been a long time. There's a lot of developing that still needs to be done. I think a lot of it can be done. Now, that's long-term, and I'm only talking about the offense. Defensively, we'll get to Joe Barry and the defense specifically in a few minutes because I think it's in the danger zone already. I am very concerned about that. Almost exactly a year to the date of saying, damn, maybe I was wrong about Joe Barry. We'll, We'll get to him in a minute. But in the moment, in the here and now, it's just painful to know you had tons of opportunities and you squandered them. You know, the the sequence that everybody goes to at the end of the game, third and two, fourth and two, you throw two passes in a row. And I'm not with everyone, just run the ball twice. Well, that's not always the smartest thing to do. Just because you have two good running backs doesn't mean you always have a favorable look. I can understand that. Now, I would have run the ball on third down. Third and two, entire playbook is open, even with a short part of the field left as you're down near the end zone. 
I would have run it there. Fourth down, throw the ball fine. I've got no problem with what happened on fourth down. Third down is where I've got the issue there. But honestly, and I believe it was Zach Cruz from Packers Wire who put this out on Twitter either Sunday afternoon or it might have even been Monday morning. The Packers had a bunch of one-on-one looks on the outside. We talked about it last week. We previewed the show. We did our promo tweets during the week with, with this clip of me saying, hey, if the Packers offense wants to come alive in a game, passing-wise, this might be the one because the Giants play a lot of single high. They play a lot of man defense on the outside. They're going to blitz a lot, which Aaron Rodgers usually does pretty well against. They had the looks. They had options, and they just didn't execute. It didn't work. Sometimes Rodgers was too gun-shy. Sometimes he took some shots that just never really developed. I don't know why things didn't click, and I think that's the most aggravating part that God, you could have tried so many different things and they weren't there. So I think short term, I'm pretty pissed, to be honest with you. I mean, I'm not going to lie about it or sugarcoat it. I mean, I'm as emotional as ever. You know, I'm going to get emotional about things and, you know, very in my feelings about games. But but on a serious note, I mean, I think in the moment, this should have been a win. Long term, I don't think we need to go into full why are we keeping Rodgers around? Uh, Matt LaFleur is actually a bad coach. I, I think it's way too early to get to that. A month from now, okay, maybe we have to have some talks offensively. For now, this, this team is still growing. And I think it's annoying, but it's something that we probably should have expected maybe a little bit more than we did. Not necessarily you and I, but just as a collective, maybe we should have expected that a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, this is a completely different Giants team, though. Let's like let's walk through that, and it's been, I think it's an easy, it's kind of a scapegoat, but truly, when you look at uh, Wink Martindale and you look at Brian Dable, like, they've been doing this a long time. Like, Martindale, obviously, way longer than that stout defensive coordinator for the Ravens, and I want to point out that the reason that the Packers passed it there in those last two plays, and in the moment, I was also reactionary and said, hey, they should have ran the damn ball there. They're in two yards. You see the clip right after the game of Josh Myers getting that absolute incredible block. He pushes his guy into the end zone. Probably could have just walked in behind that, whoever they gave him the ball. It's very easy to react and say, hey, you should have ran the ball. But ultimately, like the looks they were giving him there is like, you got to throw the ball. Like you got to trust that you're going to be able to not have two batted balls at the at the line. You're going to be able to throw a back shoulder to Lazard or Dobbs, and they're going to be able to come down with it. And that just, it just didn't happen. So credit to the defense for them as well. And I, yeah, would you like to see them run the ball more? I would have, I would have too. I'm thinking games are getting 30 plus. It's happened a couple times already. They, they rush only 20 times. Like that's, that's shitty. But yeah, I don't think it's, I think it's one of those one-off games. It just seemed like there was everything around the game being at such a celebration, all these Packer fans from around the world come in there and then it actually comes to fruition. And it is an absolute home game by the Packers. Like they're going crazy supporting him. And it just seemed like a foregone conclusion that they would get the win. And a lot of it too, is just like, this is a different brand of Giants football. Like I said, at the top of the statement, like this isn't the Tom Coughlin, uh, McAdoo, whoever the hell else led team. These are, this is a stout football team, whether who not's on the football field and Saquon Barkley's playing out of his mind and credit to that defense. Once again, they, they showed up and showed out, but um, the same people that are saying probably that we should have ran the ball on those two plays are also saying, we're saying before the game started that this is Aaron Rodgers' game to shine. He's going to be able to put up some numbers. Let, let's watch him get back to MVP status, everything around the game. He's going to soccer games with his buddy Alan Lazard. He's doing all this, all that, and just, yeah, he's going to sling the rock and throw for four touchdowns, 300 yards, and those are the same people that are saying we should have ran the ball. So at the end of the day, flush it down the drain. It sucks. It really sucks, but this isn't – Giants aren't as fraudulent as we thought. I was, I'll was. i be the first to admit it. They're, they're a damn mm-hmm. good football. 
mean, from what it appears. Um, but yeah, it's shitty and just got to bounce back because we're still in that lull period, I feel like. But Jets are a tough opponent. And I feel like we should also point out not only, I mean, credit to the Giants because they did play well. They, I think they were the inferior team talent wise, just, you know, skill versus skill. That's a team that has Daniel Jones, who has never been an especially good quarterback, and they figured out a way to win that game. Saquon Barkley has come alive. I think Brian Dable deserves a massive amount of credit for the way he's been able to flip that team around. You look at the comparison and the, the contrast of like guys who are supposed to be culture builders and are supposed to turn cultures around. Look at Carolina. Like Matt Rule was supposed to be that guy. He's out in two years and five games. Brian Dable, meanwhile, has those guys in New York looking like they would run through a wall for him. So I think you have to give Dable and that Giants coaching staff a lot of credit. Now, I do want to ask, because we've been talking about it and alluding to it a bunch, what do you think is the reason why this team just cannot play a complete game? That's now, I I want to say this was from Domovsky this weekend, but it's now three out of four weeks that the Packers have not scored in the second half. They've not scored a touchdown in the second half. I mean, you just... You can't have that, man. That's not a winning brand of football. We had that big discussion last week following the Patriots win about that Aaron Rodgers clip where he said, you know, winning in and of itself, that's a sustainable thing. But, you know, the way we're winning, we've got to clean a bunch of things up. I'll play better. We'll all play better. Okay, that's all fine and dandy. But for the small overall sample size we have this season of just over 25% of the year gone, to have three out of the last four games, you can't get into the end zone in the second half. I just want to know why. What is going on at halftime? What is going on at the second half? Is it an abandonment of the game plan? Is it the fact that Rodgers is trying to play hero ball? Is it a Lafleur thing? Is it the rest of the pieces? I don't know. And I think that's the part that aggravates me the most is that we can't just point to something and say, yep, it's that. We've got it figured out. Once you fix that, it's going to be fine. What do you think is the reason why this team just can't play a complete half? Or a complete, I should say, they can play one complete half, but they can't do it in the second. This is one of the items that I said, like, is kind of haunted this team for a while. The run defense being one of them. I think the whether or not they should run the ball more with Aaron Jones or give him the ball has been a thing for many, many years, even before, with Mike McCarthy there. But yep. I do think I do think that it does come down to a little bit of hero ball from Aaron Rodgers. It's the analytic, and I can make this throw where it's like you're looking at the offense – and you see the personality of out there. It's very versatile. You got Josiah DeGuarra, you got AJ Dillon, you got Aaron Jones, you can line up wherever. You got Christian Watson, who's a new piece, new little toy. Romeo Dobbs is emerging. He can basically run the whole route tree and do stuff. And oh, oh, and by the way, you have Alan Lazard, who's an absolute stud on the outside. You got Tunyon back, and then you got your boy Randall Cobb, who ended up having 13 targets yesterday. So uh yeah, he's doing pretty pretty well. I I just at some point though. You have to understand, Rodgers, you might not be the smartest football mind on the field. Like, they're going to throw some stuff at you different than, I guess, a defense like the Lions or a defense like the Vikings now without Mike Zimmer there or you stay in the division, even the Bears. Like, it's just you're going to see different stuff than you're used to seeing playing the Giants in what's a brand-new defensive coordinator you haven't seen in a few years for the Giants or ever for the Giants. It's just you can't always think you're going to be able to make the right call just because it looks like that analytically or on paper or with, with the numbers, the way stack up. Now I will say that he, when he does make the checks, I think it's, it's smart. I see a lot of running from shotgun yet and a lot of other things that I feel like they should maybe tighten up within the play calls, but you, it's this weird paradigm of like Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers being 
not buddies, but having a good working relationship and then saying, okay, I'm going to give you the opportunity to make plays here. But then it's, it seems like Rogers runs with it a little bit more than he should. And LaFleur is not going to be an asshole and tell him like, no, I I, I I feel it's just like a power shift a little bit. And, but at the end of the day, like you're up, was it 13, nothing, or excuse me, 17, nothing, 17, three at the end of the half. Like you got to be able to pound teams away, just run the football. Cause we've, we've done already this year. This isn't a foreign, this isn't a foreign concept to success. We've, we've done it multiple games this year to win football games between 28 and 33. So those guys can be on the field at the same time, but you got to be able to spread the ball out. Aaron Jones has got to get the ball. Um, AJ Dillon's got to get targeted in the passing game. There's just so many pieces that it, it, it just, it seems so obvious that they should be able to score, but some of that I think just does fall on Rogers trying to play hero ball a little bit. Two things. One, Totally unrelated to the Green Bay Packers. The awesome stuff about, oh man, now they're breaking my heart. The awesome stuff about doing a live show is you can see what you think is a winning bet cash in during Monday Night Football, uh, only to have your heart ripped out when Clyde Edwards Zeller was wait, actually wait, wait, wait. We're starting. We're starting significant to some 21 minutes into the episode. We're doing the betting portion of the ceremony. Every day is significant to some if you're okay. Brendan Dorzinski. I can tell you that much. But on a related note to the Green Bay Packers, now you got to give Edward Zillair the dive to get him the anytime touchdown, right? Anyway, in regard to the Packers, you made the point, and I'm so glad you brought it up and you phrased it the way you did, because I had the thought during the game that sometimes you're not the smartest guy on the field. And just because you think you are and oftentimes you are, you might not in that moment be the smartest guy on the field. And I'm talking about Matt LaFleur. I'm talking certainly about Aaron Rodgers. And it's okay to, I don't want to say necessarily take what the defense gives you, because again, the Packers had some looks where they could attack deep in that game. They had some one-on-one looks for Dobbs or for Cobb or Lazard or whoever else. They had those opportunities. But it's okay to go, I don't want to say less risky. I'm not sure really how to phrase it, but you can go back to the staple stuff. You can go back to the script plays later on in the game, the jet stuff. You can go to some of the run heavy looks. I mean, you can try different things that aren't necessarily the, the go ball, the deep ball, the, you know, the high flying, incredible stuff that we have seen from Aaron Rodgers and some of these players in the past. And some of the things we know these players are capable of. You can throw the ball short a bunch, man. You can make that work. Go back to the Tampa game when the Packers, realistically should have had three scoring drives in the first half. I know Aaron Jones fumbled at the goal line, but they should have had three touchdown drives in that first half. And what was the average depth of target for Aaron Rodgers in that first half? 3.2 yards. I'm not saying that I don't want Aaron Rodgers to ever throw the ball down the field because frankly, that's stupid. That's a really dumb thing to want because even though he is older and he's probably not 100% of the athlete, well, we know he's not 100% of the athlete. He was at his true prime. He's still one of the greatest of all time, and he's still clearly got an arm. So I don't only want screens and checkdowns and drags and things like that, but you can do a little bit more and get a little bit more creative and open up other opportunities. I just feel like there's not a lot of symmetry and not a lot of connection in the play calling. It just doesn't really feel sequential to me. I think maybe that's the way to put it. And that's something this offense clearly needs, especially as you're still trying to bring certain guys along. And at this point, I think that includes the quarterback. And our guy, Iowa Joe, on the Game on Wisconsin YouTube comments, he says, uh, this whole team needs a kick in the ass. And I I sort of feel like that's right. And I don't necessarily think that's just Matt LaFleur's got to tell that to Aaron Rodgers in the offense and cuss him out. I also don't think it's necessarily 
the guys need to stage a coup against Matt LaFleur either. I just sort of feel like there's some soul searching that needs to be done. Oh, look, the name of the show today. I just feel like there's some sort of introspection that this team is going to need to realize, hey, what we're doing is not working. This is not the time to be stubborn because I don't know about you guys, but I'm aware whether I'm talking in the role of Matt LaFleur, Aaron Rodgers, whoever, this Super Bowl window, it is only open for so long because number 12 is not going to be wearing that uniform forever, maybe not for very long at all. So let's get this figured out while we still have some time left in this season, another 12 games to figure out what's going wrong. Now that's the offensive side. The defense is uh it's bad man and there's too much talent on this team between Rashawn Gary and Kenny Clark and Jaron Reed who's actually played really well the last couple of weeks Devondre Campbell probably had an outlier year last year but I think he's still a better player than he has shown so far this season Jair Alexander Douglas Stokes looked great last year he has been a total no-show to start this season Darnell Savage I'm very concerned about number 26, just like I am about number 21, Eric Stokes. Amos, I, you know I love Adrian Amos. He has done effectively nothing for most of this season. There's a lot of talent on this team that is either A, underperforming, or B, is just being put in a terrible position from the very jump to the point where you have to wonder, what the hell are you doing? You don't have to go far if you're on Twitter, and if you're watching this show, I am almost 100% positive you are on Twitter at some point during the day. You don't have to go very far to see somebody who's an amateur all-22 expert, and there seem to be a billion of them, who will say, hey, look, isn't this weird that there's about 10 yards of cushion in the middle of the field where the Giants continue to run the same route over and over again? Wow, wouldn't it make a lot of sense to, I don't know, bring a safety down, move where your linebackers are, do literally anything else. It's it's infuriating because unlike the offense and wow, what's going on at halftime that's causing the second half to be such garbage week after week, the defense, there's a lot of problems right now, aside from getting pressure. The defensive line has done a really good job getting pressure recently. But outside of that, it's very clear. These guys are not being put in a position to succeed and the players have to play. It's Jimmy's and Joe's, not X's and O's. I get it. But if your X's and O's are like a misshapen triangle and a Michael J. Fox circle, like you're you're screwed. You're completely screwed from the very beginning. And you want to talk about soul searching? Somebody's got to get in Joe Barry's ear and not just a passive aggressive comment from Matt LaFleur. Oh, well, we got to line up and be more aggressive. No, you've got, you hired him, Matt. You're the one who made that hire. Him, Matt, not you, Matt. Like You're the one who is in charge here. You are the boss man. So make sure things get changed. And it just feels like there hasn't been any of that at this point. It's just so boring to watch the defense. And, like, they don't make – they're not forcing turnovers. That's an issue right now. They're not drawing up anything I, that I feel is super unique. And also, like you mentioned, like, across the field, like – if. I think – and now I might be talking over it. This is the beauty of live shows. As someone who does live radio for three hours a day, 15 hours a week, plus uh, some live broadcasts, uh, this happens sometimes. You seem to uh, lose connection. I'm not sure if this is on my end or Matt's end. We might be talking over each other right now, and I do believe that is the case. All right, getting some confirmation from uh, the YouTube comments that we do have uh, some momentary issues with the connection. Hey, that's that's live video for you. 
it happens sometimes. And we'll get Matt back here as soon as we can. We'll, we'll hit Matt up and get that reconnected. But I, just to continue the point, and, and sorry to steal Matt's thunder, obviously having a, a momentary internet lapse. It's just incredibly aggravating and frustrating. And I know I keep using that word aggravating. Like there's something that's already been bothersome and it just keeps coming back and wham, it happens every single week. Sorry for the loud clap noise there. But it's the inability for this team to change. And I think you can go all the way back to week one. And I was saying on this show, after the week one debacle against Minnesota, where you're not covering Justin Jefferson in the way that I think everybody in the world thought you should be covering Justin Jefferson. Hey, why isn't Jerry Alexander on him? Why aren't you at least trying a little bit more, man? And I get, hey, you have a certain game plan. You have certain things you want to accomplish. You're going to stick with the stuff you know for as long as you can. And I was saying on this show, Matt, we're just talking about week one and how this team and this defense have shown they're just not really willing to change things. Yeah. I was saying after that first game, hey, you stick with the game plan. It's week one. Feel things out. Whatever. It sucks, but we assume this defense is going to get better and they're going to adjust over time. We haven't seen that. And we're now five games into this season. And I don't know if it's stubbornness. I don't know if it's just sheer not knowing what you're doing and being ignorant of the situation. I don't know. But something has got to change because this is more so the Joe Barry experience that the Lions of 2008 or Washington for a few years when he had some bottom defenses. This is that kind of Joe Barry. This isn't the one who seemed to push all the right buttons and flip all the right switches last year. I'm not asking for even an elite defense at this point. I'm just asking for a defense that's competent. And right now they just look out of position. They look undisciplined and guys who should be top performers look like bums. And you cannot have that if you want to be a Super Bowl contender or even at this point, an NFC contender. Yeah, before I, Joe Barry or Joe Barry's son or Joe Barry's, I don't know, maybe it was his, uh, I, who knows who who sabotaged this, what the Wi-Fi there. What I was ranting to myself about uh, just no one else was hearing me other than these four walls was the fact that Joe, it's just so uninteresting. It's like super vanilla. It's boring to watch the defense move around. They're not scheming up anything that's like unique or even when they see that there's a, a strength of a team. They just don't initiate to take it away mid-game. Like a team, what you go in, like I said, you I'm sure it was preached about stopping the run with Saquon Barkley. Well, great, you stop that, but like you still got to – this is a professional football team. Like they can still move the ball. I think the outlier was Daniel Jones being a little bit more mobile than we anticipated. But at the end of the day, like you got to be able to adjust either at – you know after the first series, first couple series, at least at halftime. I know there's not that much time to do it then, but – you have the pieces, Joe, that you can put these guys on the, the chessboard and move them around how you need to be. And they're just, it's not, it's not exciting to watch the defense fly around. They're not really making any plays. It's very predictable. You can't stop, you know, elementary type routes, you know, just a little crossing pattern against anyone. We thought it was Justin Jefferson that would tear apart this defense, and that was a one-off. Shit, like anyone's looking like Justin Jefferson now. It, it doesn't matter who it is. It's and the, the one item that was really concerning, and I don't remember who the broadcaster was. I remember completely disagreeing with him. They talked about, I think it was Slayton on like a deep crossing pattern. We brought a safety down, and he was wide wide open. Daniel Jones threw it behind him, and I think the announcer, whoever said it was on the receiver, if it was Slayton, it doesn't matter. But I'm like, shit, like they showed the replay from behind the line of, line of scrimmage downfield. I'm like, damn, he was, he, that was a touchdown. Like there was no one there. And you would think you would take that away eventually, and 
did they put a safety there later in the game? Perhaps, but they didn't also take away the entire route. Like you can't just it's just constant that it was just always open. Like you you sold out on the run, which is great, but you didn't challenge you one at the offense or at the, at the line. You didn't get up in the face with some of your secondary guys that are super super tough. You mentioned Amos and Savage. I think you know I'm I'm liking the way Savage's or excuse me, I'm liking the way Amos has played thus far this year. Truthfully, Savage, man, that open field opportunity versus Saquon that was tough. That was a tough tough look, and everyone. You just everyone see it. It's blatant. Like you could have slowed them down a little bit, but he just doesn't make plays either. So I would like to see the defense, or excuse me, the the corners at least come up and contest someone. They haven't done that. Eric Stokes had a good half of football last week and some really time, like some garbage time that the Patriots ended up turning out that he played good in um, run support and flat zone support. But mm-hmm. it's just, it's just not. It's not where it needs to be. There needs to be some more exotics. Some interesting concepts on the defense to get pressure or just throw some guys off or do some, do something different in the secondary. Cause it's just not working right now. I mean, it's a lot of the same stuff we complained about with both capers and Petten, right? Like playing too soft and not being aggressive. This defense at its best last year was aggressive and it wasn't like last year's defense was some unbelievable, incredible group. I mean, I think they finished 22nd in DVOA. I mean, it wasn't amazing, but when you've got so many pieces back and you've got continuity in the system, you should be able to take at least a step up. And if you're hell, if you're a top 20, top 18 defense, I mean, that's good enough. If you've got a good offense, which again, hopefully the Packers get to at some point, you're good enough to contend for titles. They're not even close to that right now. And I don't know, again, this has just been a big bunch of, I don't know. I don't know why the second half has been ugly. I don't know why the play calling has been bizarre, either at the line or coming off the sideline. And I don't know why they have not taken this step defensively other than just, well, Joe Barry was never good in the first place, but that just seems like almost a a cop-out. Like the math and the statistics and history show second year in a system, you, you take off, especially when you have as much personnel continuity. And again, I don't know if it takes Matt LaFleur to say, hey, dude, fix this shit. This is your job. You're entrusted to do it. So figure it out. I don't know if that's what it's going to take. I hope it, if it is, I hope Matt LaFleur is on him right now, all day long, saying, Joe, figure this out. Why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? Because again, like I said earlier, passive aggressive comments in post game or on your Monday presser, that, that doesn't do anything for me. Actually, fix it. And to be fair, I, because, you know, I'm to a degree, I'm just like fans with sources here. Like, I, I, I'm just making comments based on what I can see. We don't see inside 1265 Lombardi Avenue. Like we do not know exactly what is going on inside the facility, inside the offices, what conversations they're having, good, bad, indifferent, whatever it might end up being. So I'm open to the idea that LaFleur is chewing about. They've had these conversations. This was just a bad week. Next week will be different. I'm totally open to that. I'm just opining that I hope that's getting done because if it's not, then I'm very curious what is indeed going on during the week because Sure doesn't look like it's coming up with an aggressive game plan. But that also brings me to another point, Matt, that I wanted to bring up. We have very rarely, at least in recent memory, seen dis- like public discontent from the Packers. And this isn't anything egregious. This isn't a bunch of dudes fighting on the sideline. This isn't anyone saying, Matt LaFleur, Joe Barry, you're an idiot. It's nothing like that. But we saw some comments after the game that are a little out of character for this team. And you had 
Jair Alexander, who apparently said, hey, yeah, you know, we'll be okay, but we could we could lose to the Jets next week. And then Aaron Rodgers gets asked about it. And I don't think it was a you know, completely out-of-bounds question that Matt Schneiderman asked him. But he says, hey, look, Jaw's my guy, but we can't be talking like that. And X, Y, and Z reasons why we're going to be okay or we're going to keep working, you know, whatever full word-for-word answer Aaron Rodgers gave. We also got this from Aaron Jones. And again, I don't think this was an unfair question by any means. But he was asked uh, here by Cody Krupp uh, from one of the TV stations up in Green Bay. And I I believe it's the Fox affiliate up in Green Bay. Mm -hmm. Apologies if I'm getting Cody's affiliation wrong. But he says, Aaron Jones did. I'd put my money on giving me or A.J. Dillon two downs to get two yards. I'd put my money on it. And again, I don't think that is an out-of-bounds comment to make if you're Aaron Jones either because – well, he's a running back. Of course he thinks he can go and get two yards for you. But you had TJ Slayton also say, yeah, I don't know why we were doing some of the things we were doing on defense. And by the way, just since we've been so negative today, shout out to TJ Slayton because he had the best game of his young career so far on Sunday. He was awesome on mm-hmm. the defensive line, which is great to see for one of those rotational defensive end guys. But to the original point, what do you make of this? I mean, is it something that concerns you is it something that looks like maybe there are some cracks in the foundation we weren't expecting or is it just hey these dudes are pissed and if you win next week against the jets all gets fixed because we know winning cures most if not all ills this is just a little out of the ordinary for what we've seen from the past few years under the lafleur regime you said it best in the last segment we never really know what's going on at toll 65 lombardi avenue and there's a reason behind that because the packers are a super well-run organization top to bottom I mean, it shows just the support that they had in London over this weekend and just the 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 prestige and the you know upper echelon that is the organization or the business that is the, the Green Bay Packers. And I'm not putting much weight into those post-game conference uh, or press conference um, words or things that were discussed or Matt Schneidman relaying it to Rodgers or, you know, we have Iowa Joe in the comments just talking about the actual what Jair said. It doesn't really matter to me because – it's very out of character for the Packers. That's why we're so alarmed by it to see right after the game, them not throwing each other on the bus, but just having uh, conflicting opinions about the game. Normally everything that comes out of the Packers locker room in some regard, besides maybe what Aaron Rodgers does and his off the field antics, everything is aligned with the way the program is supposed to be ran. And I think it just was a little off color from the see the Packers talk about that. So I'm not too concerned about it. I do agree. Like you said, what the hell else are they supposed to think? They're running it like, of course they think they're going to get two yards. Why would they not think that? But that's that's in a vacuum. That's not the what was up at the line of scrimmage, what you know, the defense that Martindale was throwing out there. Like that's just, of course they think that's what they're going to get because that's how they should feel. You wouldn't want any other way for two yards, especially. So um, I don't put much weight into it. It's interesting. I think it's it's also interesting to see some of your top talent um, going out of the way to talk about it. Uh, Jair, Aaron Jones, Matt LaFleur, or excuse me, uh, Aaron Rodgers and whoever else may have had a one-off comment that did get picked up by the Twitter beat. But uh, at the end of the day, it's not that big of a concern, just a little off-color from an organization that we normally think is just super well, you know, cross T's, dotted I's. And shout out to our guy, Joe, who I, I think does put this well, saying that it's out of character, but it's also out of character how bad this team is playing so far this year. And I think that's a fair point. I really do think that winning does cure all and you've got tough games coming up the rest of the season obviously you know I've made a lot of allusions in previous weeks to the game against the Bills and you've got some really tough ones coming up at the end of the year as well you're gonna have to play the Vikings again who clearly are a good team this year although they really did struggle with the Justin Fields Bears on Sunday which I was not expecting at all from that contest that if you beat the Jets next week 
you're going to be feeling okay. You're going to say, hey, we're four and two. The NFC is a mess. And that's another thing to, I think, keep in mind and why I'm not, to, to revisit a point from earlier in the show, why I'm not totally overwhelmingly concerned and upset by where things are right now because the NFC is a total <laughs> and utter mess. I mean, the Eagles, they're good. They're clearly very, very good. The Cowboys are four and one, and they've got an incredible defense. I mean, do you trust them? Do you, do you trust Mike McCarthy? Do you trust that whether it's Cooper Rush for a couple more weeks or Dak Prescott? Sounds like it'll be Prescott sooner rather than later. I mean, do you trust them long-term? I don't necessarily think that I do. The Vikings, they've got a new coach. They're clicking so far. They're obviously good, at least this year. But again, I will believe it when I see it from that team. The West is a total clown show. The 49er, I mean, Jimmy G is Jimmy G. And I know the ooh, the 49ers are the Packers number. Okay, fine, whatever. I, if you want to come up with that point, that's fine. Uh, the Rams look awful. Stafford looks washed, more washed than a beach. I mean, it's not in especially. I, that was terrible, but whatever. I, I didn't know where else to go with that one. It's original. I mean, I've never heard it, but it was. <laughs> uh, washed up on a beach, I guess. I don't know. I'm, I'm so fired up about this. The, the language, the lexicon, it's not all that strong on this Monday night as we're doing this live, but. There's just nobody who stands out and you think, oh, damn, I mean, that they're going to run away with this. I guess the Eagles are the best option for that. But, you know, there's a lot of opportunity still out there for this Packers team to get a couple of more wins and to put it and there'll be more than a couple wins the rest of the season. But to get a couple to build some more momentum and say, all right, this team is going to be fine. And hell, you might get the the two seed at 11 and six or something this year. I mean, that might still be on the table. And all you want to do is make sure you get into the postseason. That's all you care about. My guy, Joe, is commenting. Yeah, my analogies are bizarre tonight. Shout out to the comment about Michael J. Fox earlier. That was really out of character. Anyway, my point being, there's so much still in front of you. The NFC is a total mess. There's a lot that can still be gained and can still be earned this season. Don't stress about it too much now. And again, I just hope those conversations that are going on inside the building are productive and that come next Sunday, and we'll get to the Jets here in a second, come next Sunday, we see a little bit of growth. I don't even need a completely different team. I just need something that shows we are getting there and we're making progress. Yeah, I, I, you're right. I mean, to go from 30 minutes of football to 60 minutes in a snap of a fingers, I think is a tall tale. Um, tall task, I should say. So I don't need it completely. It's not completely you know, 180, but I don't need a you know, 9 out of 10 performance. I just need something to show some sort of growth. If we can stop the run last week, let's stop the run this week. Let's get better in pass coverage. Let's get a little bit more balance offensively. That's very simple to do. We've done it all year. So just get right, you know, put the steps in the right direction. I think things will follow suit. Um yeah, no, I think I think there's a, there's some progress to be made here. Obviously, duh, there's some things that are doing well, but it's a one-off. It's a long season, I think. Um, interesting though, too, as we you know segment a little bit just towards next week is the fact that for you know recognizable opponent on the other side of the field for Matt Floor, seeing his old buddy Bob Sala over there, and another pretty recognizable opponent. Literally, his brother is the offensive well, so his brother. I forgot about that. That's a great Jets. point. So uh, I wonder how many notes those two are going to be sharing during the course of the week. Well, with that, let's get to the Jets coming up on Sunday. It'll be back at Lambeau Field. Noon kick, the rare noon kickoff for this team this year. Um, I'm excited about that. I like having games earlier in the day. 
What do you make of this Jets team this year? They have a beat down win over the Dolphins. That game, I don't think, was quite a, a 23 point deficit. In reality, the Jets just really poured it out at the end. Brees Hall, who is a native of Kansas, shout out to Wichita, um, played at Iowa State. So I got to see his entire college career. Hell of a player, really good running back. In fact, I like their one two punch when Michael Carter is good to go as well. I think that's a really nice duo. Zach Wilson is seemingly somewhat limited, but I think is a good player. Well, or let me rephrase. I think he could be a good player. I think he's had some moments. I don't think he's quite there yet. Um, defensively, they've got a couple pieces. You know, Quinton Williams is obviously a really good player. It has been for a long time. Well, several years now. Sauce Gardner looks like he is the real deal. That was a very impressive pick he had yesterday off the uh, Dolphins third stringer, Skylar Thompson. So I think there's some pieces there. I think there's some reason to say, yeah, this team is frisky. This is a team that could really be a thorn in someone's side, even if they're not quite there yet. What do you make of this matchup for the Packers offensively and or defensively against this Jets team? I'm not sure what to make of it right now because the way that I've seen the Jets play, it's been, it's, it's just strange. Like you mentioned this game, Bridgewater, Bridgewater gets knocked out. They're already without two. So they go to Skylar Thompson, who no one had in their fantasy uh, matchups, nor in any player props or anything like that, I can assure you. So it's like, it's obviously not a 23-point swing for the Jets. But they're kind of in the same boat for me as the Giants, a team that typically, stereotypically, the last five, ten years has been not very good. It's early on in the season. They're doing it the right way, though, for the Jets. They're playing pretty sound defense, running the snout of the ball, similar to what the Packers' strategy should be and will be going forward. I like that defense. You mentioned a bunch of guys. Quan Alexander's one I've loved for many, many years when he was down in New Orleans as well. Mm -hmm. My expectations are it's kind of a similar opponent that you played the last couple weeks. A a young quarterback or a quarterback that's not established, not the top half of his position group, a team that can run the ball, that can be physical up front, can play some solid defense, but talent-wise, they're not blowing anyone out of the water. It's There's a lot of pieces that are very similar to some of the teams. However, I think the Jets have some way more offensive firepower. Brees Hall, Michael Carter, that's a dynamic duo. Two guys that are in their sophomore and their freshman year or rookie year of their of the league with Michael Carter and Brees Hall, respectively. You got Garrett Wilson also on the outside. Corey Davis, a veteran. Like they're going to be able to just move the ball a little bit, you know, with Zach Wilson finally getting some, you know, he'll play a consecutive game finally this year. I just, I don't know what to think anymore because it's like you go into the Giants game and you're like, oh, this is going to be, should be a formal, you know, an easy win. The Jets, I'm really not sure what to make of them because they're so up and down. I think there's some, some gamesmanship that'll be played between uh, Lafleur's brother and Bob Sala. So it's. It's gonna be a tighter matchup than it needs to be. I went with the the uh, with Giants with the points last week. Little teaser before the end of the significant to some. I will also be taking the Jets with the points this week. So, uh, I, show up, just show up to the game. If we play sixty minutes of solid football, that's great. That should be a W. But if we said if we can meet us in the middle between you and I's opinions, like let's just let's or our expectations, let's get there and see what they can do. Um, get after Zach Wilson. Like put some pressure on that damn guy. Like get up in his face. He's coming back from injury, like make him a little frightened a little bit. I think I'm, I don't know how confident I am in any piece of the defense, but I do feel like the group up front, Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary, Kenny Clark, you know, TJ Slay, any of these dudes, I feel like they are going to be in a position to have a good matchup in this game. I am excited to see them and I hope they are able to continue to play well, because if nothing else, if you continually are able to generate pressure against opposing quarterbacks, your defense is going to be put in a better spot. So I am at least feeling okay about that group defensively look you're gonna have to be at least a little bit more aggressive because you know Corey Davis isn't a great player but is he a a nice NFL receiver yeah he is can he 
pull off some big plays, make some big explosive chunk plays and occasionally burn you. Sure. He definitely can do that. Braxton Berrios, uh, if he's able to go, I mean, that's a, a useful player. Garrett Wilson, really nice young player for the Jets. I am really liked what we've seen out of him so far. And Zach Wilson, I mean, it's a tiny sample size because he didn't start the year due to that injury he had during camp. But in a very, very small sample size, he's throwing the ball deeper down the field that on average than he did last year. His intended air yards per pass last year was about seven and a half, seven point six to be exact. It's almost at 10 yards so far this year. The Jets are getting more yards after catch on every completion so far this year by, and I've got the numbers in front of me, almost a yard and a half per reception this year. So this is a team that can make some things happen offensively. And again, for Zach Wilson, that's obviously inflated because he's only played in two games so far and they ran wild on the Dolphins in week five. But there are some pieces that can make some things happen. And look, I would rather at this point, if you're going to end up giving up yards and points anyway, I'd rather you get aggressive and try to make something happen as opposed to just letting them run wild in between five and 12 yards down the field and running these crossers to death because you just refuse to do anything to stop them. So that's what I'm hoping to see out of the defense, just some sort of sign that things are getting a little bit better, that there's some sort of change in the approach that will make this a more effective game. Now, on the offensive side of things, again, if you have to go to throwing the ball short over and over and over again and bubbles and check downs, you know, more of your own crossers, getting the running backs involved more, eliminating some of the RPO-heavy stuff in the playbook because it did seem like there were a whole lot of them in the Giants game, and that admittedly might be sort of selection bias because it just feels like that. And they were somewhat problematic in the game. So it feels like there were a lot of them. If you have to eliminate some of that stuff, if you have to change up some of the play calls, some of the game planning, whatever it ends up being, I would, I don't know. I I just hope there's something different to indicate. Yes, we know that there are problems and we are going to dive in and try to do something differently. I don't really care what it looks like. And again, Like I said earlier, I'm not opposed when you get good looks to taking deep shots because Romeo Dobbs, he was awesome in college on deep balls from Carson Strong when they were playing in those late night Mountain West games. Christian Watson has tons of speed. They apparently don't love him as just a regular receiver. I don't know if that's uh, an after effect of the drop in week one or what. He's mostly a jet sweep guy and a bubble guy. Whatever. Send him deep. Just try it out. Lazard, he's a surprisingly good deep threat. Once we get to Bob Tunyon feeling better. There are options out there. I'm okay with those attempts, but when that is all you're trying to do and things are just stagnant and static and you're not going anywhere with it, I would just like to see some change and something that indicates, hey, when that stuff we like to do, when the fun stuff's not there, we've still got this staple stuff that does work and we can go to that over and over and we can find a way to still move the ball, create those explosive plays we're known for and still get the ball in the end zone for a full 60 minutes. Real quick, Matt, before we get too significant to some, let's bring this up from our guy, Joe, uh, who says, with the rumors of Carolina having a huge fire sale, do you think the Packers check in on anyone? We've got another comment here from our guy, Gil Lundgren, so we'll jump into that too before significant to some. Um, I mean, I would love for the Packers to check in on someone. I joked about DJ Moore on Twitter on Monday, which people thought was serious, which is somewhat embarrassing. (laughs) Um, I don't think that would be reasonable because I think he'll be pretty expensive. Um, I said, shoot, I would take Shai Smith, their punt returner. He's averaging over nine and a half yards of punt return, and he's not Amari Rogers. So I would give that a go. I'm sure lots of teams will call about Brian Burns. They're not going to move Brian Burns. He's the best player on the team. So they're not going to end up moving him. 
I'm sure they reach out, but I'd be shocked if anything actually happened. Yeah, I don't think I, – I love you just dangling the DJ more thing because we know that's – No. You know no that's way. a player that people are going to react to. Like, that's just – it just it makes too much sense. Brian Burns, Packers could have drafted him, I believe, at one point too, which mm-hmm. is interesting. Um, someone I'm going to throw out there just as a Hail Mary, Jeremy Chin. Um, he's got one year left in his contract in 2023. They have hey. the option – Yeah, I just think – I think Jeremy Chin could be a solid dude. Safety, we've been talking about Savage. I love Jeremy Chin, coming out of Southern Illinois. I'm going to throw him out there as a Hail Mary, but – I think everything's really on the table. Like, if we're, I mean, we saw rumors about uh, Christian McCaffrey. Mm-hmm. Maybe that makes sense to move one of your best pieces, if not the best piece. But how much equity do you put into a running back? Probably not going to get the return you would back on a, a Jeremy Chin or a Brian Burns or whoever. But yeah, I think there's always there's always conversation to be had. Gutekunds, right? We're listening to every conversation or in every conversation, whatever sort of. Uh, different way he regurgitates that for you and serves it to you as a uh, you know you know the flavor of the day uh, just kind of depends. But I think there's a situation where they could maybe acquire a player. One other one from the comment section on the Game on Wisconsin YouTube, real quick here from our guy Gil. Have you talked about a new punt returner yet, Christian Watson? Maybe so. We saw Watson on kick returns. Awesome, love to see that in the game in London. Unfortunately, then he had a, his hamstring acted up on him. That sucks, and Rodgers had to go back to return kicks at the end of the game. I would try Watson at punt return to get the ball in his hands. He's electric. He's fast. He's big. He's hard to tackle. At least give it a try. Maybe that's something that will help develop a little bit of confidence for him because he hasn't been featured too heavily in the offense yet. I mean, you want to bring up Ture. Activate Ture for a game and, and play him. I really don't care. Just try something. And we got more comments on Monday from LaFleur about Rodgers and ball security and all that. Man, it's not working. Like, we've had 21 games of Amari Rodgers, and it's not working. So try anything new. So I don't know who it is. If it's Watson, awesome, sweet. If it's not, I don't really care. I just am I'm sick of seeing eight out there because it's just not working. And again, that's that stubbornness, right, that we've talked about offensively and defensively. It's not working, so change it. it if you're not going to play the guy, he was a third-round pick, whatever, move on. Just figure it out because it's not working the way it is right now. Yeah, no, it's we honestly didn't hit on it because I think it's just so obvious. Like the casual fan could see that it's not working. So, yeah, um, I think two raise an absolutely smash to do that because when he was selected, I thought he was going to be in that opportunity to do there. Someone in my mentions uh, during the game mentioned it too, and I was like, yeah, he's not, he hasn't been activated. So if they activate him, that's a good sign. But mm-hmm. um, I don't know how much I like the Christian Watson thing back there. I think he he works instead of Amari Rogers, but I think two raid makes sense as far as more of a long term fit. Um, for a solution there, but yeah, Amari number eight's got to go. The floor mentioned in the press conference, like, dude, you put, yeah, he's like, you put that, the, the lack of ball security on tape, like, where does that get you kind of a thing? And it's like, I think he's just talking about Amari's got to fix it. Or he's going to be out of a job in the league. So um, ultimately, yeah, there should be a fix back there. Um, I would say this weekend. All right, let's get into our final segment. You love it. I love it. The whole world loves it. It is significant to some, a gambling preview spread over under for the upcoming week, Packers versus Jets. It will be at Lambeau Field. This line has moved since just Monday morning. We sent out our our email, our our show notes with what the spread was in the morning. I had from a a certain sports book, won't name names, but there are a lot of fans who like to duel there. Uh, The line was Packers minus seven and a half, the over under 44 and a half points. Checking again on Monday night, just before the end of the show, it's now Packers minus seven. The over-under has moved up to 46 and a half. So a half point off the hmm. spread, the total up by two points. Matt, give me your pick. Who covers and what's the over-under result? 
going into this, I already called you know Jets with the points, so that mm-hmm. that tracks for me. Interesting that the it jumped was that two full points then, um, yeah, forty four and a half to forty six and a half. That's strange in twenty four hours, um, especially since I mean the Jets did come up with you know, forty points. The Packers really haven't scored that many points throughout this entire season. I like the under for that. I like the Jets with the points. This is pretty sh- straightforward for me. Um, maybe there's some Lambeau Field mystique that creeps in in the Packers. This this is the Aaron Rodgers breakout game in the season, but um, I think the Jets defense is a little bit tougher, at least um, with some names out there, than the, the Giants one, but both good defenses nonetheless. Uh, final score prediction, 24... Hmm. What is the what do the Jets do? I'm gonna say. This, see, this is me putting faith in whether or not Joe Barry can stop anyone yet. I'm gonna say 24 20. 24 20 Packers? Yeah, I'm gonna say 20. Yeah, 24 to 20 Packers. I will join you in saying under. In fact, I'm going to have a very similar score to you, and I'm going to join you in saying the Jets covered the seven points as well. I'm going to go with a weird score for you, 25-19. I'm going to say 25-19. Let's get weird. Let's get super weird. I mean, we had 27-22. That's a strange score. So I'll give you 25-19. I think the Packers do win. I think the difference maker for the defense is going to be up front, Clark, Gary, and Smith specifically, I think those guys are going to play well enough that I think you'll create some havoc for Zach Wilson, maybe force him into an interception, although the Packers only have one so far this year, I believe it is. So it's not like they've been able to take the ball away very much. I think that is going to be your difference maker defensively. Offense, it's one of those situations, Matt, where maybe if I just keep predicting it week after week, the Packers will eventually figure it out and Aaron Rodgers will have a big week. So maybe I'll say this week, I thought it was the first New York team. Maybe it'll be the second New York team. Rodgers is actually going to ball out and throw for 285 yards and three touchdowns. And next week, we'll all be happy. We'll spend Monday night celebrating, and the pack is back. And I will have normal analogies and won't be tripping over myself all show long. And we will feel much better. I hope that's the case. We're both on the Jets covering the spread, but the Packers winning outright. Not the full 46 and a half points. We're both under on that one as well. That's significant to some, and that is the final dump. We will be back coming up next Monday night. Live podcast comes out every Tuesday morning following the live show. Of course, you can follow Matt on Twitter at Matt underscore FRA underscore. I'm on Twitter at Brendan DZW. Game on Wisconsin is on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at Game on WI. That's where you can find it, GameOnWI.com as well. And I'm hoping for the best. I'm I'm taking deep breaths. I'm trying to remain calm, remain even keeled, and try to think optimistically. And hopefully the Packers just beat the crap out of the Jets and we can all feel better next week. Yeah, I just truly, I was thinking about it, like which one do I want more? Balanced offense, defense to kind of tighten up a little bit. It's it's without a doubt. I was going to pose a question to you, but it's without the doubt the defense because we've seen what the offense can do. Defense has got to show up. I think there should be... There should be some plays. They got to make some plays, force some turnovers, do anything, get, get, get crazy out there. Not too crazy, Joe. But I think there's a. Let's just show that you got a little crazy bone in you, Joe Barry, because we know he does. He brings the energy. Let's just see it in the X's and O's. I'm terrified of what a truly crazy Joe Barry might look like. But hell, maybe we will find out on Sunday. No time like the present, am I right? For Matt mm-hmm. Freilich, I am Brendan Dwarzinski. This has been the final dump. We will join you coming up live next Monday. Podcast coming out Tuesday morning. As always, brought to you right here by Game On Wisconsin. <laughs>
Well, Wayne, I think this is one that Vince Lombardi and George Hallis would be proud of. You could have given me the touchdown. That is hard to overturn, you know what I mean? I understand. That's that. a good effort, Richard, though, wasn't it? That's a pretty good effort.